This is The Wrap. Sportsnet 590, the fans' Raptors postgame show. One eighteen, one hundred one. The Raptors pick up the win over the Phoenix Suns. They're forty-one and fifteen, twenty-two and seven at home. Josh Goldberg, show Ali here. What? We're, we're with you until one. Wrap until eleven. We'll talk to Eric Smith, who had the call on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan in a couple of moments' time. Hear from Nick Nurse. Doris Burke had some thoughts on uh, on the Raptors and why. I guess fans and media shouldn't be sleeping on them to at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Or maybe the NBA Finals will hear that later in the hour as well. But let's start with, and if you want to shoot us a text, 590-590, your name and your location, as always, are appreciated. Your thoughts on tonight's game. And obviously, Pascal Siakam, I think, is going to dominate the conversation tonight because 37 points, 12 boards, 3 assists, 3 blocks. 37 points, 19 shots. That's really good. That's what you want. He got to the line 8 times, knocked down 5 triples shooting better than 50% from downtown on nine attempts. He was terrific. He scored 17 in the first quarter, 25 in the first half. It's exactly the kind of game you want to see out of an all-star break, especially a first time all-star or first time all-star starter. I don't think it's a myth or overblown at all to think that a player like Siakam or any first time all-star, especially a starter would really benefit and get at least a short term, if not, hopefully longer boost out of the break and maybe have a little bit more of a gear and extra level to get to. And I think we saw that tonight. Oh, absolutely. And I think there was, there was a real concern for me at the very least that coming out of the all-star break, he and the rest of the team would look somewhat sluggish. And I think that's probably what you could attribute the turnovers. I think Eric and Jonesy on the broadcast said that they had just a record amount of turnovers uh, on the season, 22 turnovers which is a season high and that that at any time for a team that plays as crisply as the Raptors is unacceptable, but it was nice that the, maybe not, not definitely not the only bright spot, but that the brightest spot on the night was Pascal Siakam. He looked like it did not affect him at all. And it's really interesting to think about the idea that Pascal could even could be getting even better than what propelled him to his first ever all-star game. So looking at a game like tonight, we, we, you talk about, wondering what kind of start you're going to get off to just in general, what kind of effort there's going to be, how sharp you're going to be after not playing for nine days. They haven't played since last Wednesday against Brooklyn. And for the first 24 minutes, they put up 67 and hold Phoenix to 43 and Phoenix, you know, Phoenix stinks uh, understandably, but Devin Booker was a deserving all-star. He got snubbed the first time around deserved to get in. Finally did when Lillard was hurt. He's can fill it up as, as, well as anyone in the NBA. DeAndre Ayton had 17 and 10 tonight, but I thought they did a good job. He only got to the line three times. They did nicely in the first half defensively. And then things just, especially in the third quarter, they gave up 35 and they held Phoenix to 101, but it was 26 at half. And then there was a point in the fourth quarter, it was 96, 90. But like I've been, and I think a lot of people have been talking uh, throughout the season here against teams like the Suns and really for the most part against a lot of teams in general, there haven't been that many times where the Raptors have been down. If it's a team below 500 right. or in a tight game with a team like this, where you didn't still feel like they were ultimately going to pull it out. And it was more of the same tonight. 
I think there was there was a point in what the fourth quarter there, maybe with about maybe to start the fourth, the kind of a, a little bit of a run that carried over from the end of the third, and they were sending double teams at Siakam, and he wasn't quite making them pay. He was still getting his looks in transition, and he was he was w- doing well around the rim. Uh, but yeah, after that hot start, and then after everyone else didn't really seem to pick up the slack in his, I don't want to say absence, but while other teams were getting after him, it definitely seemed like there was a there was a potential for them to gag the game away because they had gotten down, they had blown their twenty six point lead or whatever it is, had gotten down to seven. And what I love about this team and what you and I have said all season, and what other people have definitely said as well, was that this team has the mental fortitude to withstand runs from teams whether they are as bad as the suns or as good as other teams like the heat and the sixers and the celtics and i think that's really encouraging to see i mean yeah again like you said suns stink they they should wax teams like this and in the end they did but it's just when things get hairy it's nice to know that this this team will not panic yeah totally and you look at this, the standing situation right now in the Eastern conference and Boston right now is in a nip and tuck game in Minnesota. They're only up three with just under five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You really want that second seed right now. They're two clear of Boston. They're five and a half up on Miami. They're six up on Philadelphia. They're eight up on Indy right now. It looks like Boston is probably the only threat. Do I envision with, 26 games left in the season that Miami's going to be able to make up five and a half. I know Miami has the tiebreaker. They've won a couple right. against the Raps this year. Probably not considering the Raps have one of the easier schedules remaining in the NBA. Boston is your biggest competition for the two seed. And I understand that some people may not view Scotiabank arena as quite the home court dynamo and home court advantage it was in the earlier days of Jurassic Park, you still want the opportunity to host a game seven of any series, of as many series as you possibly can. And nobody's catching Milwaukee. It's just, it's not going to happen the same way. I don't think anyone outside of Boston is going to catch Toronto. No one's catching Milwaukee. I I can't believe the Raptors went on a 15 game win streak and only made up like two games on the Bucks. That's crazy. They're still six and a half back. So Boston's the team right now. And the Raps, you know, just have to continue taking care of business in situations like this, because you're not going to be afforded that many off nights because Boston's going to just continue putting pressure on you. Yeah. They're going to be breathing down the necks of the Raptors for pretty much the rest of the season. And I think there are still a couple of matchups with the Celtics coming up. Maybe, over, you know, obviously the season still has a ways to go, but over the next couple of months, I think they have a couple of matchups with the Bucks coming as well. One I think is next week. So I, I'm looking forward to these matchups because what's what's something, Josh, that we have made a lot of over the course of the regular season thus far for the Raptors, which is that their record against uh, above 500 teams has been maybe less sterling than we would like, right? I think I think it had, it had gotten better since 2020 started. They beat the Pacers a couple times, and they've beaten other teams as well that have been above 500. But I think to start this season, it wasn't what we wanted from 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 the expectation that this team is is so so good. And now we're all seeing that this team, I think, is ready to compete with, or maybe even well past ready. They're they're looking forward to competing with the teams like the Boston's and the Miami's and the Phillies and the Milwaukee's of the world. But I still think, like for me personally, that two seed is definitely paramount because barring a matchup with Milwaukee, and and frankly, I think they I think personally the way the two teams are constructed, I think the Raptors 
have what it's ta- have what it takes to take down Milwaukee in the playoffs. And it, and if that if that happens, it'll you know probably be in the Eastern Conference Finals if they do meet. But I don't know. I just I really do think that the Celtics and the Heat, while they're good, I'm not. I personally don't think they're better than the than the Raptors. Is that a homer take? Because that means is that me being a homer that that you don't think that Miami or Boston are better than Raptors? No, I don't think like that at that's this, at this point. I don't think that that's uh, unreasonable. The reasons I might look at teams like Boston and Miami as being right there, if not maybe favoring them a little bit. And I think it might be splitting hairs. Jason Tatum's last six weeks or so has changed the equation for me when it comes to looking at the Celtics, right? He's been probably one of the 10 best players in the league for a while now. And he's been good again tonight. I saw him put on a dribbling clinic and get to the rim for a dunk effortlessly. He's not shooting as many mid range twos. He's shooting more threes. He's getting to the line. He's playmaking. He's going to be a hard cover in the playoffs. I understand the Raptors have enough bodies to throw at someone like him. The only player in the East that I think they're going to really be screwed against is Giannis, Mm -hmm. but Tatum is tough. And Kemba has always killed the, the Raps as well. And he would be tough in a playoff situation. It would be a really good series. And I think home court would probably be the difference maker. Like that's probably for me, a seven game series. Sure. And if the Raps have home court, I give them the edge. And if Boston has the home court, I probably give them the slightest of edges. Miami, that's a tough one because they play with a lot of grit defensively and they can get into the Raptors at the defensive end and the Raptors offensively this year, I think they're 13th or 14th in offensive rating. Mm -hmm. They've been okay. Offensively. They have not been great offensively against the upper echelon teams in the league. I think they're, I want to say something like eight and 11 against teams of that ilk this Mm -hmm. year, which is not awful considering, but probably you would like to see it flip to 11 and eight. And Jimmy Butler has killed the Raptors his entire career, killed them last year in the second round of the playoffs was the best player for Philly in game seven was taking every clutch opportunity. He scored the game tying layup before Kawhi hit the shot. Bam Adebayo is going to be tough and and can really probably take Siakam out of some of what he wants to do. I think the same thing home court advantage could end up being the difference there. But I look at Boston, Toronto and Miami as all, right in this sort of spin cycle in the laundry machine of who's the second best team in the East. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair way to look at it for sure. I think all the teams have pieces where you think to yourself, okay, yeah, these guys could go on to the Eastern conference finals. They could even compete for an NBA title. Uh, Definitely. It definitely feels like Milwaukee is, is, is far and away the best team in the conference. But I, I think from what I've seen from the Raptors, the defensive energy tonight it was phenomenal. I think a lot of the a lot of the problems with the Raptors in terms of letting the gap being be shortened a little bit came from a lot a lot from turnovers versus anything else. But yeah, I think from what I saw tonight, combine that with what you expect from guys like Powell and Gasol and so on when they come back, I, I'm really looking forward to the playoffs. Eric Smith had the call of this 118-101 victory by the Raptors over the Phoenix Suns. He joins us from Scotiabank Arena. And Eric, let's start with Pascal Siakam, who had a great night, 37-12-3, only needed 19 shots. You were there in Chicago uh, for All-Star Weekend. Do you believe that a player like Siakam, first All-Star experience, especially as a starter, playing in crunch time of that epic All-Star game will have, and as we saw tonight, could have a nice carryover for him down the stretch here? I mean, I think it certainly could. Uh, I mean, that said, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you, 
He was doing it before the break, too, yeah. so I'm not sure that that one game, one epic fourth quarter is going to make that much of a difference to um, the impact he was or wasn't going to make down the stretch. I think he's he's shown his consistency, uh, his uh, his ability already this season. Um, so, I, I you know, I, I would have felt confident in Pascal had he not played in the fourth quarter of the All-Star game or had he even had a, an off night overall in the All-Star game. Um, that said, there's no denying that I'm sure you probably feel a little bit better about yourself and your lot in life, your lot in the league when you're hanging among the best of the best and, 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 and playing well and you're kind of put on that stage and put in that spotlight. So that, that can only help. Um, I think the, what you know, impressed me the most tonight for him, other than the turnovers which seemed to you know, affect everybody, uh, was the fact that he was doing it in many different ways, inside and out. I mean, he started the game five of six from distance. He missed his last three triples, but still to finish five of nine from, from three, uh, but then also finishing around the rim, the dunks, the layups, the, the, the short jumpers, you name it. Um, I, I thought that he showed his versatility overall, and that's going to be important for him to not be a one-dimensional player, uh, you know, as we final... Uh, finish the final 25 odd games of the season hopefully you guys can still hear me okay because there's some sort of i don't know q a conversation talk going on right now at the far end of the floor and i don't know about you but the microphone sounds a heck of a lot louder than it does even when herbie's screaming into it in the middle of the game so hopefully we can still carry on our conversation well we won't keep you very long then eric i know we got to get going as well um sticking with pascal real quick the, the Raptors, they have a, a very aggressive defensive scheme. We were talking about it before we came on. A lot of energy tonight. It was great to see. They're the second-best unit in the league. And, of course, works for a number of reasons, but it also works in, in large part because Siakam is long and fast enough to cover a ton of ground. Do you think we're somehow underrating his defense in part? You're talking about Siakam. Siakam, yes. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think so. I, and, and, and you know what? That's probably in a, in a weird way, in a, in a, in a roundabout way. It's probably a good thing, and, and and not just saying that good thing as far as as a Raptor fan. Oh, underestimate our guy, you know, he'll catch you sleeping. But I think it's because the Raptors as a team are so good defensively, and because they've had so many other guys stand out individually as defenders. OG Ananobi, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, even Fred Van Vliet. Then you think of the guys off the bench, whether it be Boucher blocking shots or the energy and the hustle that Hollis Jefferson brings, even the tenacity that the youngster in Terrence Davis brings. The, the Raptors have so many guys that are good defensively, that, yeah, we probably don't talk enough about the individual success or strength of certain guys, including Pascal. I think they're just a good defensive team overall, and it probably doesn't get talked about enough, the team concept of their defense, because we're constantly focusing on, like tonight, seven players in double figures, balanced scoring, lots of different weapons. This team, I think, at the end of the day, is, is better uh, defensively than they are offensively, and cliche as it might sound, I think they will, you know, make or break their postseason and the length of their postseason with their defense more so than their offense. Before we let you go quickly, because it seems like it's uh, it's it's ramping up down there. 22, <laughs> 22 turnovers uh, tonight, just in case you think of settling back in a little sloppy uh, after a nine-day layoff. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and to be honest, I, I don't know if. Uh, Maybe your number didn't refresh on the page or something, but I got 25 staring at me in a season-high 25 in the turnover column on the official stat sheet scoreboard thing right in front of me. So um, it, it was ugly, but I, I will say that a lot of those turnovers, to your point, I think were kind of just laziness, sloppiness, just kind of getting back into the groove because it was, it was Kyle Lowry, it was Fred Van Vliet, it was Pascal Siakam getting picked off on, on relatively, or at least what should be 
relatively easy pass, just kind of being a little bit lazy, maybe not putting enough mustard on some of those, kind of getting a little cute with some passes. So I think that's something that gets cleaned up uh, over the course of you know the, the, the final 20-odd games. And the only good thing for Toronto is even though they had eight more turnovers than the Suns, who had 17, they both gave up 21 points off turnover. So, you know, if there's some weird silver lining in, in a season-high brutal 25 turnovers, it's the fact that you at least didn't give up any more points off those turnovers than what Phoenix gave up off there. So they beat the Suns in so many different ways tonight, whether it be from the perimeter, in the paint, uh, you know, in the mid-range, uh, at the line, you, you name it. This was This was the defending champs taking on, you know, one of the bottom teams in the league, and it certainly looked to be just that eric appreciate the time as always man we'll do it again okay. soon okay guys thank you there's eric smith raptors radio voice joining us here on that's the rap we should have gotten eric to describe <clears throat> uh, what it was that was uh, uh, <laughs> vic Palladian, who's the uh on-site engineer uh-huh. down at uh, scotiabank arena said it's croatia night or croatian oh, heritage or something okay. dario saric of the phoenix suns is croatian he came out i guess met the fans that's probably cool. took some pictures I couldn't tell if that was English or, or not. It was just yeah. loud noises. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, you know, this is where we're at at this point of the season mm-hmm. with this particular Raptors team trade deadlines uh, in, in the rearview mirror. And we're going to hear from Nick Nurse coming up. And if you want to shoot us a text here on the wrap, 590-590, your name and your location is always appreciated. Like, the big takeaway from a game like this is, well, they got the win. Yep. Who really cares how it looked? The first half was better than the second, but at the end of the day, you chalk it up in the left-hand column. It's another win. You get to 41. That's it. At this point, you're just trying to establish your seating as much as you can and be as tight and sharp as you can in your rotations, get healthy, be as set as you can offensively and defensively for the second week of April. Everything is building to April 15th, April 16th. Everything else outside of seating and being as sharp as you can for the playoffs to me, a secondary. And, you know, when I was listening to Nurse's availability from yesterday, okay, so this was like the very first availability that Nurse did to the, the Toronto media since the All-Star break. And, of course, there are lots of All-Star questions, but he was asked about Gasol when we found out that Gasol was not going to play tonight, and, of course, he didn't. But in that conversation, someone asked him about, one of the media members asked him about uh, Gasol's availability and are, are you concerned about this, Nick? And w- what do you think is going, going to happen with Gasol going forward? And one of the things he said really interested me, Josh, because he was basically like, well, you know what? Gasol's not going to play versus Phoenix, but at the same time, he's pretty much fine. He's pretty much okay. Yeah, maybe it was a little worse than we thought initially, but given where we are, we thought it would be best to be cautious. We, As long as Gasol plays 8 to 12 games before the playoffs actually start, we're good. We consider him okay. He doesn't need to really be in, involved in the rotation all that much because we know what his spot is. We know what his place is. And I find that interesting because that kind of reinforces what you just said, right? That pretty much... The games against Phoenix, they don't care. They don't like even if they were to have lost this game, you and I would be sitting here probably saying the same thing, going, Well, you know what? At the at the end of the day, they look rusty coming out of the all-star break. It'll be fine in the next game, right? Like they'll get they'll get it under control. The only thing to maybe raise an eyebrow at in this game was the amount of turnovers. And we talked about it with Eric, and even he chalked it up to just post all-star break being a little sloppy. And at the same time, you know, if it, if, it, if it continues towards the playoffs, then you talk about it more and you analyze it more. But at the same time, they'd ha- they've had that issue, by and large, under control 
up until this point in the season. So it, it, again, it seems kind of a more like a blip on the radar instead of a, a worrying trend, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Defensive rebounding, I think is still yeah, probably still, yeah. the, the biggest concern that I have. Yeah. I don't know how much it necessarily will rear its head in a playoff series. Depends on the matchup, but that's the one thing that I think really stands out to me as something that's not going to be correctable with this roster. They're just never going to be a particularly good defensive rebounding team, but I think they can make up for it in other ways. We're going to hear from Nick nurse coming up. We'll continue to talk about this and uh, we'll hear a little bit of Sam Doris Burke was a guest. I think it was the ESPN daily podcast yeah, with Mina Kimes, with Mina Kimes. Yeah. always uh, good stuff there. They had a little bit of a Raptor centric convo. So we'll get to that as well. It's the rap Josh Goldberg show Ali on sports at five ninety the fan. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. No medical exam or health questions will be asked. Sportsnet 590, The Fan On Demand. You're listening to The Wrap. Sportsnet 590, The Fan's Raptors postgame show. Wrap here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Josh Goldberg and Joe Ali here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Here until 11. Sportsnet tonight from 11 to 1. We'll talk some Leafs at the top of the hour. 17-point win tonight. Pascal was the hero with 37 points, 12 boards, only needing 19 shots. Just a run-of-the-mill type of middle February Friday night win. Curious what the head coach Nick Nurse had to say after this one. So let's hear from Nick Nurse. When you got Serge on the bench for that long, what at what point do you think, okay, I got to get him back in, or, or do you wait for a point in the game, like, go by feel? How, how does that happen? Well, I thought, you know, I, I was leaning on doing it earlier than I did, um, but then Ronda had a kind of a nice stretch going there, so that enabled us to grab a few more minutes, and then, you know, you get down to six or five, you might as well do it and see what happens, and we change the matchups and stuff, kind to get him off Aiton and so they can't just throw it in the post and go right at them. So it's good, though. He had a good impact there late. It sort of changed the tempo of the game yeah. when you got him back in there. Is that, again, what you're looking for? That's the speed and... Yeah, I mean, you just got to get your best guys out there, right? And and as well as Rondé played, Serge was, you know, a little bit bigger presence on the on the shot blocking and the rebounding and, and the spacing on the perimeter, right? He hit a big three there. He called bank on that and hit a big three. You guys were sort of flying around defensively. You might play like four block three pointers, but is that just the energy pent up from not going for that night? Yeah, I don't know. We were we were really good tonight. I thought we were we were. Uh, I told the guys, man, there were some great great stretches of play out there. We really came out with a pace and a aggressiveness and flying around and into the ball and challenging shots and and uh, I mean the game lost its rhythm and its every ounce of enjoyability there in the third quarter. But um, so we just had to hang on, and we did. We were really like nobody was having any fun out there, and it was just like I, about five minutes ago, I said I'm having as much fun as you guys, and probably less the way I feel right now. But we don't. We got to we got to dig in together here and and go play, and then we got a couple stops, and and uh, Pascal made <clears throat> well. Pascal makes the roll. Kyle makes the three. So you know there was some really nice execution down the stretch. <clears throat> I won't ask you about the challenge rule anymore, but. When you went out there, did I say if I liked it or not <laughs> before the game? Let's real. Let's go over that again, Doug. How many did I lose tonight? Two. 
to have that first one yeah. to explain why? Because you were in like the circle out there waving your arms. So. Well, they saw me jump up off the bench on the call, but then they couldn't see me calling timeout for a while. Selective vision. <laughs> what is it about Ronnie's ability to guard bigger guys? Strike. He's strong. You know, he's got a big base, and he's not afraid. And he's, you know, he's he's strong, dude. But he's got the, you know, lower half that gets down and can hold his ground and not let him move him too much. And and he's he's kind of quick too, right? He'll jump from side to side, and you know, and um, you know, even couple that with some pretty quick hands. If they do bring it down, he'll take a swat at it, and uh, not afraid down there. That's for sure. Yeah, no, he was good. I thought uh, again, he he uh, the pace we were playing at, I think, was opening up the floor, right? Um, as we were, and, and the thing I really liked is we were throwing it ahead, and he was on the receiving end of a couple of those throwaheads from the backcourt, and and he just, you know, dude, he can score, man, right? He, he needs us a little space, and and um, he can score. Got us got us off to a great. Like, you know, that second unit came in, half a second unit we played tonight, came in, and he, he jump-started them really good. I, th I thought kept kept the scoreboard moving pretty good. You had spoken about sort of expanding Pascal's offensive role over these next couple months. Is this sort of what you envisioned, especially in the way he started the game and the way he closed it? Yep. 37 is what we're was what we're after, Josh. Each and every night. No, it was yeah, it's good. I think uh, you know, like I, I say this that like he's got he's got this um, ability to attack the basket, right? He's got this ability to play with his back to the basket. He's got this uncanny kind of once he gets his back on you and turns, he's to the front of the rim or to the side of the rim and putting it in. That's hard to guard, right? So, um, and if he's got any space to get ahead of steam up, he's going to get to those moves. So, you know, they, tonight they step off him a lot to not let him get by him or whatever, and he, he makes the three. And if he's going to make the three, then if he's going to make it like, you know, he's going to make shoot the ball really well. And, and I'm not saying he's got to make, what did he make tonight, five out of nine, but even three out of nine, just enough to, to get six, nine, 12 points from the three-point line, then he's going to put up a big number because – that's just really hard to guard, both in and out, right? The game bogs down. The, the game bogs down in the fourth quarter. Is there any teachable moment in terms of loosening the grip with with the lead, or was it just a matter of the rhythm going away from the team? No, I mean, I thought uh, the way it was going, um, I thought we were probably going to be in for a, a tight finish. Right? I just um, they they were started to make the shots they were they were making tough floaters they were you know every kind of everything was everything was every you know lots of illegal screens lot, you know there's everything was just kind of rolling their way right and it was going to it was going to be good but um and our offense was really at a standstill really was we just didn't really know what to do right and uh we fortunately we changed a few things up and and found uh a spacing and a, and a matchup to go to our, our attack and those guys produced right we, we cleared the cleared the lane one time for a pascal you know roll and the next time down they were trying to stop that and kyle came off open and you know so we found a little bit of spacing and, and rhythm there to get it back and was able to put the game away um i don't know i i, I don't i don't uh again I, I didn't have much fun out there tonight uh coaching um 
wasn't wasn't very enjoyable. But when I sit here and look back on it right now, I uh, don't mind that it got a little tough and tight, and we had to re- bounce back and respond, and we guarded and executed great down the stretch. So it's a nice little um, learning moment, I guess, confidence booster actually. <clears throat> so I'm getting happier as I keep talking here. <laughs> now you're all concerned about my happiness. There's that coach Nick Nurse. Obviously, you win a, any ball game, you're going to be pleased. Raps take it 118, 101. Indiana Sunday, and then a huge one. We'll have it on Tuesday night against the first place, first overall in the NBA Milwaukee Bucks. Really looking forward to that one. It's the Rap Josh Goldberg show. Ali, more, more to come. We'll uh, we'll get into those couple of games and see how the Raps stack up with the Bucks coming up. It's the Rap Sportsnet tonight's coming up at eleven. Sportsnet five ninety. The fan. This ain't like when you're at a game and sign up for a credit card just to get the prize and then you immediately cancel the credit card. Because there's no prize when you sign up for our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. You're listening to The Wrap. Sportsnet 590, the fans, Raptors postgame show. It's a wrap here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Josh Goldberg and Show Ali here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Raps pick up a 118-101 victory over the Phoenix Suns. They're 41-15. A couple of home games coming against Eastern Conference playoff teams. Indiana, that's an interesting one. Victor Oladipo is uh, sort of back to his, his usual form. Tuesday against Milwaukee is is the game because I don't believe that uh, the Raptors have seen the Bucks since I want to say early November. I think it was a Saturday night game. They were down 27, I believe, at a point maybe in the third quarter and then stormed back to make it interesting in the fourth quarter and the two teams haven't met since. You kind of throw that out the window, especially since the Raps will not be at full capacity because Powell's not going to be back and Maybe Gasol's back it, by I Tuesday. I think it's likely that he's not. He does not play Gasol. You're saying yeah, Gasol. Yeah. yeah. So I understand that. Uh, if, like, let's say if the Raps lose by twelve on Tuesday night, but don't have Powell and don't have Gasol, there will be some. Ooh, that doesn't bode that well for the playoffs. I caution against that. If they win, that'd be great. But if you're not at full strength, I, I struggle to really put too much stock into a win or loss in late February, even against a team you hope to see in the third round of the playoffs in May. Yeah, exactly. I think so much, even if the Raptors were fully healthy and they lost, they, they scraped out a win or they lost by a handful of points. I don't know that I would put too much stock into that either, just because yeah, so much can change between now and the next time the Raptors play in a meaningful situation, because like we talked about this before, Josh, like on this program tonight, that, Yes, seating matters, but other than that and, and general health, that not a lot else matters. And yeah, you want to see them put in quality minutes against a team like the Bucks. And, and and again, I don't want to be looking past the Pacers either. The nope. Pacers are important as well. And you mentioned Victor Oladipo. DeMontis Sabonis has been great. A lot a lot of the rotation players have stepped up in a way that I think perhaps you 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 perhaps weren't expecting, let's say, at the beginning of the season. But I, I think that the cream of the crop obviously is Milwaukee and all eyes will always be on them considering what happened in the playoffs last year. 
But at the same time, yeah, if Powell and Gasol don't play and they and they lose, like it, it kind of it's kind of funny to say, but it, it kind of strikes me as a like they can't really lose in this scenario. The Raptors they either lose without their top with some of their top players, and you, th- you say to yourself, well, how much can you really put into a, a game like this? Or they win without some sure. of their top players, and they and that's great. If they lose by thirty points, okay, sure. But that but how 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 realistic is that scenario? Do you think given given unlikely the, given Very what unlikely. we've seen from yeah. this team, like Agreed. they 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 almost I don't think I've seen I've seen them really lay down at any point this season. Yeah, I would really have to rack my brain right, and yeah. go back in, in, in the schedule. It's going to be, man, it's going to be a good game. It's it's going to be, regardless of who's on the court or who's not on the court, anytime it's nationally televised in the States, sure, it's yeah. a TNT game. You're going to be there? Yeah, I'm going to be there. The, the buzz <laughs> will be in the air big time. And uh, I'm just curious, even without Powell, who you would think would be a body to throw at Giannis, just how Nick Nurse is going to go about trying to Defend him is not the right word because you really can't, mm-hmm. but just try to limit him as best as you can with no Kawhi Leonard because that swung the series last year. I just wonder what the what the game plan is going to be. We we teased it a little bit earlier, and uh, Doris Burke, the great ESPN uh, NBA analyst, was a guest on Mina Kimes' ESPN Daily podcast. They were talking NBA, obviously, and they got a little bit into the Raptors and with Milwaukee coming up on the schedule – there was a little bit of a conversation on the Raptors' chances in the Eastern Conference playoffs and perhaps even making it to the finals. So let's hear that. There is a different feel, a different presence, a different countenance about the entire group. And yes, unequivocally, the record versus plus 500 versus minus 500 is concerning. But let's remember that their top six guys, including Serge Ibaka, who's having the best year of his career, Kyle Lowry, Marcus Saul, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, Pascal Siakam, all six of those guys have missed at least 10 games. So I don't know that we have the clearest picture. The other thing working in their favor is they have one of the best coaches in the league. Mm. You know, Nick Nurse wears that head coach's mantle with ease. Why? Well, because he's been calling the shots for the vast majority of his career in any number of circumstances. He's creative. He's fearless. He's a little bit irreverent. And I'm telling you, Mina, I give them a puncher's chance to get to an East Finals and a puncher's chance to get out. Did you see this coming at all, Doris? Not even close. (laughs) And this is the question, really, ultimately. Do they have enough offense? And what you're seeing is, to me, what appears to be this grooming of Pascal Siakam of, all right, you got to go get your own. In those minutes in a playoff circumstance where you don't care whether it's a mid-range two, a fallaway jump shot, a jump shot under incredible duress of excellent defense, what matters is I need to put the ball in the basket right now because this game is teetering in our control or theirs, and we've got to have one. And you're watching Pascal. Can he deliver in the postseason? He's been excellent in the regular season. I can't wait to see it play out. That's the question I, I really look at. and. Obviously, Doris as plugged in as anyone. And offensively, what are you going to look like in the playoffs in those grinded out type games? Remember, game seven last year against Philadelphia was 92-90. I understand it's game seven. Kawhi scored 40 points and took, I can't, it might have been 35, 40 shots. He took a bunch of shots. Sometimes when things bog down, that's what happens. You just go to one player, one option, one particular look over and over to just try and get you a quality look. 
and still, I think the Raptors are probably better than I expected in that regard offensively. I still have some question marks about whether they're going to be able to score enough against elite teams, elite defenses in the half court sets in the playoffs. I, I think that's a fair question. And what Doris said, it makes sense as well, because I, I have confidence in the team to get past the the lower rungs of the Eastern Conference. But the Milwaukee, like, I, I do personally think they have a decent chance to beat Milwaukee in the playoffs. I do. I think that the team matches up decently well when everyone is healthy. It's a big caveat. If the, if the team goes into the playoffs like they are right now, it will be that much more difficult to win in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. But if the team is healthy, I think the way they're constructed and the way the way they use defense and they chase guys off the line and the, the way they get players out of their comfort zone, whether it's via the box and one, like we saw in the playoffs or other, you know, quote unquote, janky defenses as the players have referred to them. I, I really do think that if you can, because you said you can't really defend Giannis, right? And you're right. You can, he's probably the most unique player in the NBA right now. And, but if you can definitely limit players like, Chris Middleton, you can play, you can limit players like those other guys with the with the the players that are on the Raptors currently, yeah. and that is what I'm looking forward to. Because yeah, I think I'm not saying you let Giannis score like you know 40 plus points a game because that will swing the game in the Bucks' favor. But if you can limit the role players, and I I personally think the Bucks' role players are not as good as they were last year. Well, I they're think, missing think, Brogdon exactly, and, and I think uh, and Brogdon has been pretty good for the Pacers yeah. as well, right? He's been he's been very fun to watch for Indiana, but. They don't have someone like that as and they have their offense hasn't been quite as dynamic outside of Giannis. I mean, for the most part, things flow through them and they have the, the odd game where they dominate other opponents without Giannis. But I mean, for the most part, the offense is Antetokounmpo. And I just if you can limit the guys around him, I think you have, like Dora said, a puncher's chance. Agreed. But Middleton is tough. And I, he didn't have a great series last year right. in the Easter Conference Finals. And he's having a terrific season in terms of efficiency. Lopez is always an X factor. I understand the Raps have a lot to accomplish and figure out before we can talk about a hypothetical mm -hmm. Easter conference finals, but just for the purposes of this conversation, it's they're not as sharp. I agree Milwaukee because of Brogdon, but you know, you never know. Bledsoe could be better. Well, damn, he, it would be hard It'd to be, hard be worse, to be. <laughs> worse than he was last year was in that series. He was probably the difference between them winning and losing that series. If he pulled his weight a little bit more, mm -hmm. who's to say they don't win that series? Yeah, he got six. cooked by, by Fred Van Vliet. Oh, it was awful. I just, I pretty, I pretty much any time Fred wanted. Yeah, he, he was just a complete liability every time he was on the court. Raps take on the Pacers on Sunday, then the Bucks on Tuesday. They pick up a 17-point win tonight. They're 41-15. and 15. We're going to talk some Leafs coming up. Big win last night. They're all going to be big down the stretcher. They got 20 games to go. Another huge one tomorrow night against Carolina. So we'll get into it with Justin Cuthbert of Yahoo Sports. Sportsnet tonight's coming up. Josh Goldberg, Show Ali, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.